Nothing could have prepared me for what happened. Not the hundreds of hours of classroom learning. All the practical training exercises in the world were for nothing. A squadron of fighter jets may have stood a chance, but I doubt it. What I encountered six years ago was an unstoppable force of nature, like a tsunami or a volcano eruption. If you're caught in its path, you're dead. Lucky for me, I survived. It was sheer luck that I did. This is a warning. Stay out of Yosemite National Park. Six years ago, I was a mounted patrol ranger. On that day, Buckley, my Mustang Stallion, and I were on patrol near Tulum Meadows when I noticed a man approaching us in the distance. He waved his arms at us frantically and collapsed to the ground. He clutched his chest and struggled to catch his breath. His mouth was wide open as he gasped for air. I thought he might have been having an asthma attack and kicked Buckley into a sprint. As we came closer, I immediately noticed blood on his shirt, but he didn't appear to be wounded. He cried out for help as I jumped off Buckley and went to see if there was anything I could do while I radioed for medical assistance. Before he could catch his breath, the man incoherently told me something about his son being injured and something about a tour group. I told him to concentrate on catching his breath so he could tell me what was happening more clearly. Once he was able to speak, he introduced himself as Greg. He told me what happened with his tour group. Honestly, I couldn't believe it until I experienced it for myself. He said they'd been on a guided tour in the woods nearby, and everything was fine until there were a series of explosions among the tour group. Greg said his son's cell phone had exploded in his pocket, and his wife's digital camera had blown to pieces inside the carrying case. All of their electronic devices had blown up, including the tour guide's radio. He also mentioned that a man had collapsed on the spot and remained unresponsive. Of course, his main concern was for his son. He said shards from the phone were lodged in his leg and he suffered burns. They tried to tend to the wounds before he came running for help. I relayed the information back to the base, requesting medical assistance on my position once Greg led me back to the injured group. While I didn't like to ride double on Buckley, Time was of the essence. Greg was far too exhausted to allow him to continue on foot. The tour group could not have been too far away if he had made it to me. Buckley could handle the weight, and we needed to get there as soon as possible. He likely would have died of a heart attack if I didn't give him a ride. Perhaps that would have been a mercy compared to how he died later on. We rode alongside the stream heading directly to the tree line in the distance. The path was familiar, as it was a popular destination for a moderate hike. Greg showed me where to go. As we came closer to the trees, I felt a rising warmth on my side, exactly where my radio was attached to my belt. Remembering what Greg told me earlier about the electronics, I immediately reached down and removed the radio from my holster. It felt like it had been under the sun for hours. It was so damned hot. It burned the palm of my hand, and I dropped it to the side. Upon hitting the ground, it sparked before it exploded. Buckley got startled at the sound and bucked. 
I comforted him as best as I could while charging ahead. The further into the woods we went, Buckley became more agitated. He bucked hard, nearly tossing Greg and me off of him. It wasn't like Buckley to not follow commands. He had been trained for the service since he was a cult. The further I tried to force him to continue, the more he fought until I decided to leave him behind. Buckley fought like crazy when I tried to tie him to a tree. There wasn't much I could do against a 3,500-pound horse. If he wanted to leave, he was going to leave. In a last-ditch effort, I tried to pull him and the rein slipped from my hand. Buckley turned back in the direction we had come from and disappeared into the woods. He'd probably ran back all the way to the stable like he was trained to do. Admittedly, this left me feeling a bit shaken. As we trekked through the woods, Greg asked if I had any idea what was happening, and I didn't really have an answer for him. Buckley getting spooked, I could understand, something unnerved him. Something which Greg and I couldn't sense. But he could feel from the moment we entered those woods, exploding electronics was not something we were taught about in training. As I said earlier, nothing in the world could have prepared me for what came that day. Nothing. When I made myself known, I was immediately ambushed by several tourists. They all spoke at once requesting help for their loved ones. Being swarmed by everyone asking questions and asking for assistance did not help with the situation at all. From what I could see, most of the injured sustained burns and lacerations were probably not life-threatening. What really worried me was the unresponsive man Greg mentioned earlier. Through the crowd I saw a woman sitting off to the side with a thousand-yard stare in her eyes. She sat against a tree, alone next to a heavy-set man face down on the ground. I insisted on attending the man who clearly wasn't recovering or moving or showing any signs of life. From what I could tell, he wasn't even breathing. I ran over to the man and checked for a pulse while asking his companion if she felt okay. She didn't respond, and I could see why. There was no pulse. The man was dead. Falling back on my training... I immediately went and started the chest compressions. I reached underneath the man's side to flip him over, and my hands were immediately met with warmth and wetness. When I turned him over, I immediately jumped in surprise. My hands were covered in blood. There was a hole in the man's chest where his heart would have been if it hadn't exploded. I saw pieces of wire and metal surrounding the mangled meat of the wound. At the confirmation that her companion was indeed dead, the woman wailed so loudly everyone turned their attention to her. Between her sobs and scream, she only said one word, which I understood. Pacemaker. Seeing there was a casualty, I called out for someone to hand me something to cover the deceased face. No one moved or made a noise aside from the woman grieving her dead companion. It was here I noticed the absolute silence surrounding us. Usually... There are signs of life all around us making noises. Birds chirping, bugs buzzing, frogs croaking. It was at that moment I realized we were in danger, more than we knew. It was silent around us because the animals had either run away like Buckley had, or they remained silent to hide from what scared them. Whatever was happening, I needed everyone to get out of the woods quickly. I commanded the non-injured to assist the wounded and help them start walking out of the woods. One of the women in the group asked why I didn't just radio for help. I told her my radio had blown up 
and we needed to get out of here as fast as possible. Now, if you've ever done anything in life with a group of people, you'll understand that getting them to follow directions is damned near impossible. One person wants to fight back on anything you tell them because they don't respect authority. Another person yells at the person to comply. Those two start a fight. You have another person who starts doing their own thing. You have others following them. Groups split off into other groups and, you know, it kind of just becomes a big mess. In this case, we didn't even get the chance to start fighting each other. As I tried to get everyone moving, a blast of lightning ripped across the blackening sky above us. It struck a tree only a few hundred yards away. Then the wind picked up, lifting leaves and dust and debris through the air. The weather report for the week was clear, sunny skies with no chance of precipitation. This development unnerved me as I looked up to the clouds overhead and saw how deeply dark and ominous and out of place and alien these clouds were in the sky. Buried somewhere within the primitive part of my brain, I recognized something was amiss in this isolated pocket of our world. It must have hit the others in the group as well, as some of them stopped and stared into the sky, petrified and frozen in place, awaiting their demise. Others rushed to grab their loved ones and drag them to safety. Still, others just abandoned the group in utter terror with nothing but instinct of self-preservation dominating the otherwise civilized and evolved parts of their being. What came next, I still see it whenever it storms. First, another eruption of lightning tore the sky asunder, nearly deafening me with its turbulent force. Then, in the electrical firebolts streaking across the sky, I saw the silhouette of a massive winged creature flying through the air. With each thrust of its colossal wings, it produced bolts of lightning crackling across the sky in all directions. I was glued to the spot, staring up at it through the tops of the trees and branches and all. As the creature circled the sky above, with each flash and crackle of lightning, the sky filled with smaller versions of the beast surrounding their brood mother. It was at this moment I realized that this is what had spooked Buckley and all the other animals. They knew this creature was coming, and ran for their lives. Our exploding electronics were our warning. Nothing as deep-seated as animal instinct, but a warning nonetheless. After witnessing this, I am ashamed to admit that I gave in to the part of me hell-bent on self-preservation and started to run away from the woods. But unfortunately, many others had already been running away leaving behind those who tried to help their injured friends and family. If I had tried to help anyone at this point, I would have likely joined them in death. As I ran into the woods, I saw someone running in front of me rise into the air as if the invisible hand of God plucked them from the ground. There wasn't any time to process what I had just seen. I felt a sudden lurch beneath my feet, and I too was airborne. My first crazed thought was to assume one of those creatures had swept me off the ground. However, as the world spun, I realized nothing was holding on to me. Instinctively, I reached out and tried to take hold of a tree branch, but I couldn't get a grasp as they slipped through my hands and I went further into the air. This happened at least a dozen more times until I finally grabbed hold tightly to a branch and managed to pull myself to the trunk. I still felt the force of being pulled upward as I held on and didn't let go until the whole thing was over and the creatures were gone. 
but I'm jumping ahead here. From my position, I had a clear view of what was happening. Unfortunately, the others hadn't been as lucky as I was. They continued to float into the air, spinning around, screaming, and reaching out like a doomed astronaut, untethered and floating into the vastness of outer space. It wasn't only other people either. There were deer, birds, and several other animals caught in the same trap. All of them floated through the air, high above the trees, and stopped their heavenly ascent at the same point. With one final screech from their brood mother, the smaller creatures circled through the air once and swooped down to enjoy their meal. Humans, animals, insects, whatever managed to float to that invisible line in the sky was consumed. The sound of their screeches and squawks masked the screams. I turned my head away, holding it against the tree, and tightening my grip on the tree trunk for dear life. I didn't know if these creatures would notice one of their snacks had gone missing. Maybe they'd sweep down into the trees and I'd be done for. But of course they didn't. I cannot guess for how long I stayed in the tree, but once the screeches and squawks stopped, I no longer heard any screams, and gravity felt as if it had returned, and I braved a look to the sky. It was clear of any monsters or dark clouds. Nothing or no one floated in the air against the laws of gravity. The setting sun of dusk returned to its rightful place, dominating the sky and extinguishing the last remnants of the light in the day. All had returned to normal, except for my state of mind. I climbed down the tree, slowly and steadily as my muscles ached. Once I reached the ground, I sat down and allowed myself to rest. My mind was reeling. My body was thrashed. I closed my eyes for what felt like a minute, maybe just two, and awakened to a paramedic shaking me awake. Moments later, I was carted off in an ambulance and treated for my wounds. Of course, there were tons of questions as to what happened afterwards. The whole incident was chalked up to a random, freak tornado happening in the area, and the tour group was wiped out in the resulting storm. According to the authorities on the scene, there were dark clouds over the section of the woods and they saw a massive cone touch down. As far as I was concerned, I let them tell whatever story they wanted to make it all go away. It's not like anyone would believe me anyway. Not long after the incident, I decided to quit being a park ranger and moved to Philadelphia to live with some family for a while before getting back on my feet again. I just couldn't stand the thought of being in the forest anymore after seeing what I saw. So, when it storms, I run for cover indoors and stay away from windows. I drown myself in alcohol and take a few extra Xanax to avoid the inevitable thoughts which creep into my mind right before I go to sleep. But in my nightmares, I'm always back to Yosemite. Buckley and I on patrol, and we see Greg coming toward us in need of help. Thanks for listening to this creepy and downright strange story written by H.G. Gravy. If you enjoyed this story, be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to me. If you're listening to this on iTunes or a different podcast platform, please give this episode a 5-star rating. 
as that really helps me out a ton. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you guys are on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you go, you can download them from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcast platforms for free. Thank you guys as always for supporting the swamp the way you do. If you guys would like to see what I'm doing outside of YouTube, be sure to keep up to date with me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.